Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use, no doubt, starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for January the 12th in the year of our Lord, 2022. This is our one of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America as our guide and absolutely convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by our founding fathers. One of the great peaceful solutions we still have at our fingertips. Checks and balances, baby, that's where it's at. We also reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Welcome to the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live. A quick recap of yesterday's broadcast starts now. We talked about the CDC director, Rochelle Walensky. The overwhelming number of deaths, over 75%, occurred in people that have at least four or more comorbidities. Wow. So really, these are people that are unwell to begin with. And they've had the audacity to use against us 800,000 deaths over the last two years and act like it's a huge, huge deal, locking us down, ruining the economies, forcing vaccinations and experimental extreme measures on all fronts. And we find out that 75%, ladies and gentlemen, even if you do two-thirds, 66%, that's, wow. You look at that and you go, what? 75%, 600 out of 800,000, right? Had four or more comorbidities? You don't even really know how these people died at all then, do you? And even if they died from something, uh, you know, what does that mean? They're lying and they got caught. Two years later, they're admitting the truth. COVID vaccines do not need to be changed. For Omicron at this time, says Fauci, that was December the 15th. Well, I don't know if you know, but Pfizer is developing an Omicron vaccine right now. They say it'll be an Omicron-targeted vaccine in addition to the current vaccine. In fact, they're going to call it a hybrid. Why, if you don't need one, according to Fauci? Private insurers must cover eight home tests each month, the government says. Now you got the government literally demanding private sector insurance companies pay for certain things. It's insanity. We also talked about could catching a cold actually be a good thing? Yes, it could. Why? Scientists out of Imperial College in London say maybe so. Because with new research suggesting that those who have had a common cold may be offered some protection against a, quote, future bout of COVID. Researchers have long wondered if there's a connection such an immunity link, if you will, between uh, the cold and the COVID. They wonder if it's possible because the common cold, believe it or not, is often caused by various coronaviruses. Now, they say, of course, not by the SARS COVID-19 or um, COVID-2 coronavirus that causes COVID, but they're really wondering about that in the BBC now. Well, remember... We told you that there was uh, a relationship to the cold. 
and they mocked us till the cows came home. Oh, no, that, these guys are crazy. There's nothing to that. The truth is we are right there wrong once again. But, ladies and gentlemen, it gets worse because, you know what? Not only are 75% of the people who have died from COVID, not only do they have four or more comorbidities, super sick people. Now, I'm not saying that, it, that it's not important that they died. It's sad. Don't get me wrong. But let's be clear, it's not as we are told is the point, right? Not even close. But in addition to that now, we don't have a difference between the 800,000 that die, 600,000 of them take off the table because they had four or more comorbidities. Now you got 200,000 left, right? But out of those 200,000, we don't even know how many went into the hospital because of COVID or how many went into the hospital and ended up just having COVID. Let's say I go into the hospital because I break my leg, as Fauci put it. I test positive for the cocoa because it's routine, right? Then they say, hey, I went in there, it was a, it's a COVID hospitalization. That's a flat-out lie. I might be completely asymptomatic and not even know I'm sick at all. Oh, well, you're sick, Sam. We tested you, and we're positive. Well, the tests have proven bogus, too. We don't even know if the tests are right. The vaccinated, even though they claim the vaccines are safe and effective and highly protective, they lie on all counts. People with the virus, people with the with and without the vaccines are getting everybody sick. Everybody's getting sick, whether you've been vaccinated or not. The whole thing is an absolute clear fiasco. But when you take the 200,000 that aren't elderly or with four or more comorbidities, the 200,000 left deaths, and then half of those about, they're starting to admit, didn't even really go to the hospital because of COVID at all. So now you got to ask yourself a question. 100,000 people, 150,000 people over two years in the hospital because of a disease or an illness? How many of those people went in more than once unnecessarily? I went to the hospital with COVID twice. I didn't stay, but I was there. I checked in. Do I count for two times or one time? The only reason that I went back is because they didn't give me oxygen uh, portable and, and, and some of the medication that I needed. What I went in for is to get hydrated and to get some medication to help with my lungs. Um, What's up with that? Does that count for twice? Where do we go? See, everything they've told you is a flat-out lie, and they've now admitted it to the point where they've lost credibility to the point where your government has the biggest credibility crisis you've ever seen in your life. Well, that was hour one. In hour two, we talked about what is devolution. Why is the person behind Q silent? Who is John Harold, the Patel Patriot? Mr. Quote Truth Bomb. He has a website called devolution.link. John falsely claims that Donald Trump has power to deal with acts of war, election fraud, COVID bioweapons, etc. John talks about how Trump moved certain people into certain positions, uh, very powerful positions. Um, and then he also talks about Trump's executive orders, literally concentrating power so that well, Donald Trump would eventually crank up devolution, which would supposedly be to decentralize power. Ladies and gentlemen, the truth is Congress has power to declare war. Was 1871 the last of the United States? Can we create our own, quote, courts and grand juries? We answered all those questions myself and Sheriff Richard Mack on the second hour of Liberty Roundtable Live, which is now simulcast with the Sheriff Mack Show on Brideon TV. If you want video archives, go to Brideon.com. If you want audio archives, Liberty Roundtable will do just fine. Nevertheless, we broke all this down. 
And I'm telling you, this idea that you're a sovereign citizen, this idea that you can set up any grand jury you want to, this idea that Donald Trump's coming back in office after he exposes Joe Biden, this QAnon stuff, this devolution stuff, this 1871, hey, the government ran off the rails, never to be the government again. All these crazy ideas, ladies and gentlemen, I don't need to pay income tax because, you know, I'm not responsible. There's a grain of truth in all these things. I don't need to have a driver's license. I have the God-given right to travel. I don't need a driver's license to freely move about. Okay, There's a grain of truth in every one of these things, ladies and gentlemen. But every one of them will get you in trouble. And every one of them literally, um, in my mind, smacks of an effort that will not do well. What do you mean by that, Sam, you say? I'm telling you, I don't believe it will go well for the American people if we go down these roads. All it will do is allow government to gain dictatorial power above all of us. Okay, that's all that will happen. Government will decide we're terrorists, and they will go after us. Do not engage in these things. Okay, Larry Clayman is one of them. He's basically indicted a ton of people with his grand juries. But the problem is he has no authority to go after anybody. He has no uh, ability to execute an arrest or anything else. Okay, I appreciate these desperate attempts to try to right the country. I think a lot of people genuinely mean well. But I submit to you that you're deceived, whether it's a con-con, a constitutional convention, or a convention of the states, all the way down to these juries, all the way down. Okay, I support fully informed juries, but I do not support these self-appointed grand juries. Uh, There's people who all of a sudden just claim they're judges. Okay, these things are folly, folks, and I'm telling you, it'll do nothing but cause trouble. Mark my words. And some would say, oh, Sam, you just work for the deep state. That's why you're debunking all this. You know what? Liars. I don't work for anybody but myself. I've been as outspoken as anybody on the radio, calling it as I see it for 25-plus years, using my own dime. I'm not getting paid a ton of money, and I'm not getting anything but the truth shall set us free out of this. I've got children, eight of them, and grandchildren, and I want to leave the country a better place for them. That, to me, is what this is about. I also don't want the patriots to go astray. I think many of them have incredible good hearts. They mean well, but we've got to help guide them in the right direction. Uh, When you engage in these efforts, you are undermining the real work of the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association. We can't go to a bunch of sheriffs and say, yeah, we created our own grand jury. Yeah, we we got this QAnon thing. We don't really know who it is, but it's telling of a Trump takeover and devolution. And sheriffs are just going to turn up their nose and go, you're on. You guys are crazy. There's no value there, folks. Uh, Making friends with your sheriff, having your friends stand up as a sheriff. Uh, he's living under his, his station now, absolutely. But if you think the sheriff is a godlike figure and can do everything, you're wrong again. The sheriff has checks and balances just like every other executive branch official in the greatest country on the face of the earth. So I want to talk you down from the ledge of some of these crazy ideas uh, because I love you. When we come back, my guest will help break this down. But the government is absolutely out of control. Headline about that in seconds with the discussion point on your radio. As the United States boldly stepped forward in the glorious light provided by its new constitution in 1787, 
The nations of the earth were in awe of the newfound strength and hope of this free land. Today, the nation stands at a crossroads, a divergence from the original intent put forth in the United States Constitution has brought grave threats to our beloved nation. A miracle is needed if the United States is to survive. That miracle is again the pure application of the United States Constitution. I'm Scott Bradley. In my To Preserve the Nation book and lecture series, I bring forth truths that will help raise up a new generation of statesmen like those noble Americans who founded this land. Vigorous application of these principles will invigorate and restore the nation and we may become again the freest, most prosperous, most respected and happiest nation on earth. Visit topreservethenation.com to begin that restoration. Okay, girls, about finished with your lesson on money. Daddy, what is a buy-sell spread for gold coins? Well, when you sell a gold coin to a coin shop that's worth, say, $1,200, you don't actually get $1,200. But don't worry, we're members of UPMA now, so we don't have to worry about that. Daddy, what if somebody steals our gold? We don't have any gold at the house. It's stored safely in the UPMA vault, securely and insured. But the S&P 500 outperformed gold. Daddy, gold is a bad investment. Some people do think of it that way, but actually gold is money. And as members of the United Precious Metals Association, we can use our gold at any store, just like a credit card. Or I can ask them to drop it right into mommy and daddy's bank account because we're a UPMA member family. Find out more at upma.org. That's upma.org. With news the networks refuse to use. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen, Larry Pratt. Discussions of all things Liberty. Welcome back to Liberty Roundtable Live, sir. Sam, it's good to be with you. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Here's the alarming headline to which I alluded to right before the pause. Headline from WorldNet Daily, WND.com. Art, Art, Art Moore wrote the article. Here's the headline. New DOJ domestic terrorist unit targets anti-authority ideologies. Top officials tells Senate, we have seen a growing threat. Let me say this again. New DOJ domestic terrorist unit. They just created a whole new branch, a whole new, whatever you want to say, governmental department. They say it targets anti-authority ideologies. Top officials tell Senate, quote, we have seen a growing threat. Artmore writes the article. Now, here's the details, then we'll talk about it. At a Senate hearing on Tuesday, titled, quote, Domestic Terrorism, a threat one year after, January the 6th, Assistant Attorney General Matthew Olson explained why he, quote, created a new unit focused on domestic terrorism. We have seen a growing threat from those who are motivated by racial animus, as well as those who ascribe to extreme anti-government, anti-authority ideologies, Olson said. Olson affirmed that the events that occurred January 6th are being investigated as acts of domestic terrorism. 
Assistant Attorney General Matt Olson, head of the National Security Division, testified on Tuesday. The attack, quote, the events that occurred on January 6th are a domestic terrorist act and being investigated as so. At the hearing, Charles Grassley, Iowa of the hearing, pointed out that 75% of domestic terrorism cases comes from anarchist extremism, which is the code words government's using now for Antifa. The hearing came after Attorney General Merrick Garland declared on the one-year anniversary of January the 6th that, hey, he's going to take action, go after the perpetrators. The actions we have taken this far will not be our last. We're going to hunt down these people everywhere. This department is committed to hold everybody accountable. We will follow the facts wherever they lead, lies Garland. The Department of Homeland Security issued a memo on January the 6th. Anyway, it goes on and on and on. It's a huge article, but here's the deal. This Homeland Security is now being used against we, the people, as they create a domestic division. Republicans were the ones, Larry Pratt, if I remember right, that kicked off Homeland Security in the first place, right? They were, Sam, and there were those of us that had some concerns about that, that once you've established something of that sort, uh, it could be directed against the very people that set it up. When When I hear this talk coming from the current administration about the threats to established authority, I think of Republican voters. (laughs) They're likely to vote against Joe Biden and more ahead of the next presidential election against his party in the Congress. And that's what they're concerned about. I think we need to translate into common English what these people are really concerned about. They're not worried about a bunch of right-wing literal bomb throwers. They're worried about a bunch of conservative voters, a bunch of Republican voters that are going to send them on their way in the next election. It's very scary, though. Literally, you now have a situation where how do you create a new domestic terrorism unit all by yourself? This guy created it. Where's the lawmaking body? Where's the checks and balances that make America great here? I think people should be arrested for even thinking about creating such an organization without the legislative approval, without appropriate funding to make sure that it's legitimized. Uh, Now, I don't think Congress really even has the authority to create such an entity in the first place. There's limits to even the legislative making body, Um, not to mention being needed to be signed by the executive uh, branch. None of that's happened here, sir. These guys are the terrorists. You can't do that. You, you can't do that, but they're so used in Washington to, uh, I was going to say making laws, uh, pretend laws, we could say perhaps, uh, acting without any constitutional or even legislative authority. Uh, folks, uh, Obama was uh, kind of famous for saying that, oh, the Congress won't go along? Well, I've got a telephone and I've got a pen, meaning he could call – somebody in the federal bureaucracy and say, this is the president. I want you to do this, do it. And he would also uh, uh, be able to, with his pen, issue an executive order. And uh, increasingly in our time, in the last many years, those executive orders have become substitutes for duly enacted laws, assuming that those laws 
do have constitutional authority. But uh, shouldn't so, we literally be hauling people off to the clink over this, though? You just can't blatantly thumb your nose at the checks and balances. <laughs> the government derives its just power from the consent of the governed. Constitutionally speaking, the supreme law here is that we gave certain authority to Congress. That's the legislative authority between the House and the Senate with a check and balance built right in. Uh, and then the final check would be the executive branch uh, having to sign off on it as well. Um, they're doing none of those things. They're literally acting as flat-out criminal agents. They're, they're acting as tyrants, uh, not bothering to go through any of the constitutional um, procedures uh, to have any kind of governmental action be legitimate. Uh, they're not worried about that. They think that having won the election, it's a blank check to do anything they want. Uh, in part, I think they're somewhat ignorant of the Constitution because it's not something that many schools teach, uh, not as many as should. Uh, but at, at the end of the day, they don't care. And when they talk about uh, domestic terrorists, uh, let's not forget, uh, some of this lingo started in Loudoun County, Virginia, which is a, uh, a kind of an exurb of Washington, D.C., and in that county, parents were objecting to some of the really creepy curriculum that was being propounded and actually was being woven into uh, everything that was being taught to their kids. And when they objected to that at school board meetings, and they didn't come in uh, saying that they were going to meet the school board members out in the parking lot. They just challenged their authority. They challenged the ideas that were behind what these school board members were doing, the critical race theory and things of that sort. And uh, for that, they were viewed by in memos that we now have from the Justice Department. They were viewed as domestic terrorists. So that's how we should be translating that kind of lingo when it comes from the Biden administration. Now, it's getting worse, uh, in my opinion, too, because not only are they violating the law, creating this new, new quote, DOJ, uh, I don't know what you call it, a domestic terrorist unit is what they're calling it, but um, they literally created this, and the idea is they say they target anti-authority ideologies. Now, <clears throat> I don't know what an uh, anti-authority ideology is. Let me give you an example. When a parent goes down to the school board meeting and says, hey, man, I don't want you teaching my kids about perverted sex stuff. Yep. Is that anti-authority, you know? If the exactly. parent says, hey, I don't want to teach critical race theory. I don't want to teach that every interaction should be dealt with uh, from a racial lens. Uh, you know what? I want to judge people on the content of their character instead. Hey, is that questioning authority? What is an anti-authority ideology? Is it that parents have authority over children, not government? So we would say, hey, government, you don't have authority over my kids. Is that anti-authority discussions? Now, here's the deal. Biden's education secretary, it turns out that he allegedly was the one that requested the domestic terrorism letter from school board's group, ladies and gentlemen. This is serious, man. The article's written by Bill Pan. Uh, uh, and, and here's the deal. Uh, newly serviced emails suggest that the U.S. Department of Education might have played a more important role than previously thought 
in the creation of a highly controversial letter which likened concerned parents to domestic terrorists. The letter, it was a PDF sent to Joe Biden on September the 29th, 2021, um, dealt with the National School Board discussion. It was the association there, and they characterized domestic discussions or meetings at school board as domestic terrorism, ladies and gentlemen. Not only that, they call it a hate crime to speak out so boldly in defense of your children. We'll talk about it more. Protecting your liberties. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Tim Berg. The Omicron variant is continuing an unprecedented surge across the United States. That's what CDC Director Dr. Rochelle Walensky told senators today. She added it's highly contagious and rapidly evolving. President Biden back in Washington, D.C. after spending some time in the Peach State. The president talking voting and sharply criticizing former President Donald Trump because he doubted the results of the 2020 election. He didn't say count the votes. He said find votes that he needed to win. He failed because of the courageous officials, Democrats, Republicans. Not attending that speech in Atlanta, Georgia on Tuesday, former gubernatorial candidate in Georgia Stacey Abrams, who herself doubted election results in Georgia. USA Radio News. You need an accurate thermometer to check for fever, a potential sign of flu or COVID. Be vigilant and contact your medical provider at the first sign of fever. Exergen Temporal Scanner Thermometer has been proven accurate in more than 100 clinical studies. Exergen Temporal Scanners are available at Walmart and other fine retailers. Learn more at exergen.com. That's E-X-E-R-G-E-N dot com. Exergen is changing the way the world takes temperature. Mike Lindell, the inventor and CEO of MyPillow, wants to give back to listeners. You can get great discounts on all MyPillow products if you go to MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener special, deep discounts on all MyPillow products, like the buy one, get one free special on Giza Dream Sheets. All MyPillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee, 10-year warranty. Call 1-800-951-8175 or go to MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener special. Use my promo code USA. Schools in session once again in Chicago. As many experts claim the lockdowns are hurting our children's mental health, a proposal for Chicago public schools to resume in-person classes Wednesday has been approved by the Chicago Teachers Union House of Delegates. That followed a lot of bickering during the week-long standoff. From the West Coast USA Radio News Bureau, I'm Lance Pry. The city of New Orleans is reinstating a mask mandate just weeks before the start of Mardi Gras as a way of stopping a surge in COVID-19 cases. Health Director Jennifer Avenjo saying hospitalizations have risen by a factor of seven. There are no beds. If you go to an emergency department right now, expect to wait 6, 10, 12 hours to be seen just to get back to the emergency department. A city spokesman saying on Tuesday that the action is needed to allow parades to roll through the famed French Quarter. USA Radio News.
Back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. The Secretary of Education <clears throat> under Joe Biden. Yeah, out of control. Education Secretary Miguel Cardona allegedly requested the domestic terrorism letter from school boards. The Epic Times newly serviced emails suggest the Education Department was a lot more involved than we thought. The organization also urged the federal government to, quote, invoke counterterrorism laws to quell angry mobs of parents seeking to hold school officials accountable for all kinds of stuff, masks, sexual perversion, critical race theory, and more. Just five days later, though, ladies and gentlemen, yeah, on October the 5th, Merrick Garland, Attorney General, issued a memo directing federal law enforcement to help address an alleged disturbing spike in harassment, intimidation, and threats of violence against teachers and school leaders by parents. Now, here's the deal. The memo still remains in effect. Ladies and gentlemen, this is out of control. So what we've got going on here is on one hand, the the school boards were so tied in with the government, the Justice Department, the Education Department and the Justice Department virtually in bed together. And these teachers' unions and everything else, the second parents started demanding accountability, they went ballistic and ran straight to the federal government to flat out Biden's education secretary, flat out to the attorney general and said, hey, parents are getting out of control. Let's use domestic terrorism laws against them. And Biden's whacked out education secretary, Miguel Cardona, basically said, okay. And Eric, or, uh, Merrick Garland said, okay. And now newly serviced emails double down and document this. Larry Pratt, they have literally gone so far off the reservation here. I know that's a weird term to use, but they have gone so far away from the rule of law. And then they got caught. They apologized for the letter. They retracted the letter. But the Merrick Garland memo still stays in effect. And now we hear the new DOJ domestic terrorism unit targets anti-authority ideologies. This is a battle where they call parents flat-out terrorists. And they've got the very top brass of the government quadrupling down on this, Larry. This is something that I've found... uh over the years to be part of the way the liberal mind works. And if you disagree with them, you're a bad person. Uh, the, the typical conservative, uh, when he finds that somebody doesn't agree with him, says, well, you know, let's uh, lay it out on the table and see what you're missing, see what I'm missing, and try to uh, go at something like that in a fairly rational fashion. But the liberal uh, looks at anybody – with whom he is disagreeing as a bad person, as a, in this case, the language is domestic terrorist. Uh, the, I saw uh, a number of the videos of the people that went to the Loudoun County, Virginia school board meeting where they were called domestic terrorists. Yes, they were upset, uh, but they weren't throwing things. They were simply saying, I don't like what you're teaching my kids. There's sexual perversion. There's historical inaccuracies. Uh, these are not things that should be taught to the kids. Uh, 
And yeah, one of the things that we almost have to laugh is probably none of these things would have come to light had it not been for this uh, overreaction to COVID uh, when they shut things down for a prolonged period of time and parents then had a chance to look at what teachers in the classroom were actually teaching their kids uh, because it was coming in uh, over the uh, computer at home where the kids were learning, quote-unquote, virtually. And a lot of parents said, I can't believe this is what they're teaching. And I think a, a lot of this is the unintended benefit of uh, COVID, uh, which did its, uh, its amount of damage. But one of the really big advantages to come out of COVID is parents and students were at home together looking over the shoulder, if you will, of the teacher in the classroom, and the teachers are absolutely going crazy. It's cramping their style. <laughs> Indeed it is. This is very serious indeed, ladies and gentlemen, though, and I agree with Larry that, you know what, because of the COVID, we probably found out about this where we might not have um, as well. But really, when the literal local school board is in bed with the Justice Department, in bed with the FBI, in bed with the Education Secretary and the Justice Department through Merrick Garland, etc., and now they created a new domestic terrorist unit, and now that they're keeping Eric Garland's Merrick Garland's memo in place, you kind of start to say, wait a minute here. We used to think that the local was going to save us from the federal, uh, that we got just got to work locally. Now we're finding out the locals are ready to bring in literally armed to the teeth federal law enforcement folks in the education department, in the Justice Department, in the FBI, literally against concerned parents. There's only one choice, ladies and gentlemen. That's to take ultimate authority and take your kids out of the government school and say, you guys have challenged my authority long enough. Sam, I think uh, part of this problem is that the local schools uh, are dependent upon huge amounts of money being doled out by the federal government, by the education bureaucracy. And therefore, that uh, has had a clear result in and pushing things in the direction uh, that they want to go so that, that maybe they didn't even really think there was going to be any pushback to calling people domestic terrorists uh, that they disagreed with uh, because, well, everybody thinks that way, don't they? Everybody they know thinks that way anyway. And now it's, it's blown up in their face, and they really don't know what to do about it. Wow, I don't really know how to uh, deal with this, uh, Larry Pratt, except for it's getting worse. Now I get an email from Gun Owners of America. Gunowners.org is the website. Here's the headline. When you think about creating a domestic terrorism department to go after parents who care about their school kids or any ideology they disagree with, because what they call it is anti-authority ideology, etc. But here's the, the deal. Gunowners of America has now obtained internal ATF documents that suggest the Biden-Harris administration is secretly establishing a national gun registry. Gunowners.org for more information. Um, now you're going to basically have this tied to domestic terrorists and parents. And, you know, Steve, 
was a parent down there, and he uh, was getting kind of agitated. And by golly, Steve has a bunch of guns that are registered under his name, Larry. And where does this go? Well, that's right. Um, and obviously, uh, they, they have a the idea that if somebody has a gun, uh, for sure, and certainly if that person has more than one gun, uh, well, who would have more than one gun uh, but a domestic terrorist? This is giving us a a uh, view now into the mind of too many liberals who think this way, who who are not willing to have a discussion about an issue, about what does the Constitution require, what does it mean, what a uh, that kind of a rational approach is not something they have been trained to do because increasingly in our colleges, the people that are in these curricula for teaching and for many of the liberal arts, even when I was studying political science back in the last century, way back in the last century, uh, I could see this kind of thing. Uh, it wasn't nearly as big and pervasive and cancerous as it is now, but it was clearly beginning, even at that time. It wasn't that noticeable. Uh, it wasn't that willing to, in most cases, challenge uh, the constitutional orthodoxy of America, uh, whereas now uh, the constitutional rules uh, of the game are something that is to be despised. It's deplorable. Uh, it, uh, it, we, we've just got to do away with it. Anybody that is defending the constitutional order is a, if you'll pardon the expression, a domestic terrorist. <laughs> Here's the question. Where do we go now? Do we see a massive insurgence of Republicans in 2022 as a result of this overreach? Uh, the Republicans are the ones, as I started out the broadcast, they're the ones that created the Homeland Security that now is being used, really, as the core anchor organization to call we the people terrorists, to literally push for these gun registry laws, to literally dive into the education department and give it, quote, mojo, uh, arm to the teeth, muscle, etc. And the Republicans created it. If we look for them, 22 is the solution. How's that going to go? In seconds, Larry Pratt responds. Why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less? Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody better have a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's going to do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans. Who are they? Democrats. Who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt, and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency. You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches, in wedding chapels, in maternity wards across the country and around the world. 
More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems at all times and in all places is to fall in love, get married, and have some kids. Gentlemen, Larry Pratt, Sam Bushman discussing this out-of-control new government agency. It's a domestic terrorism division, if you will. Not created by your legislative bodies at all, created by appointed bureaucrats deep in Homeland Security, Justice Department, other organizations, ladies and gentlemen, where they get that kind of, I don't know what you want to call it, um, pretend authority is concerning and beyond me. But you tie that with this effort by the Attorney General Merrick Garland and the Education Secretary, ladies and gentlemen, Mikel Cardona, and you look at this and you go, they literally doubled down, called parents who want to rein in their teachers and rein in their government schools literal domestic terrorists. And they literally sick the Justice Department and federal armed law enforcement agents against parents. And now, Gunners of America has obtained documents about they're literally backing into a gun registry. Ladies and gentlemen, fighting back against federal overreach. How's that going to go? You got the Republicans who are supposedly going to be our saviors from all this in the 22-24 election cycle. But the Republicans are the ones that created the Homeland Security, which really enables this whole possibility in the first place. Larry Pratt? That's a... Very much uh, something that uh, people, gun owners of America and in other groups outside the government were warning that uh, you start talking about homeland security. Well, you know, that's really, uh, in the context they were uh, using that term, that was a function of state and especially local governments. Uh, the, the arrogance of the federal government is that if you ain't from the federal government, you ain't able to do nothing. Well, excuse me, uh, I would say it's almost the opposite. If you're from the federal government, your main talent is to mess everything up that you put your fingers on. <laughs> so, uh, and what we see is a federal government that continues to push for policies uh, that in so many cases are counterproductive, but that's not really the guide star that they're following. They are looking for more power so they can have more control. And that's the way they uh, reacted to the COVID uh, virus. It was a way of having control. It was really cool. You could shut down 
uh, whole towns and all the little businesses in them, driving many of them out of business. Uh, but, boy, did that ever feel good to have that much power to be able to do something like that. Uh, as uh, It was not Obama himself or one of his minions. Stroke of the pen, law of the land, kind of cool. And uh, as you point out, Sam, there are all too many Republicans that can have that same point of view. And I think the, the elections that we're now on the eve of, uh, the most important election in many cases will be the primaries, particularly for Republicans, because uh, it would be from those ranks that might emerge uh, the, the congressman uh, Lauren Boberts or uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene or Madison Cawford, uh, uh, the guy that's in the wheelchair, or um, Senator Cotton of Arkansas and so forth. It's those kinds of folks that we've got to, as voters, be looking for in these primary elections because that's where, in most cases, our greatest choice and our greatest opportunity to advance freedom is going to be found. Ladies and gentlemen, this is serious. This is not a joke. And, and where this goes, I don't know. Uh, I agree with Larry that, you know, you've got serious primaries coming up. And it's really advised to understand a Republican is not necessarily your friend. Okay, Kurt Crosby always used to ask, what is a Republican? And boy, howdy, is that spot on questioning. Um, is it a Republican, someone who obeys the Republican platform? Or is a Republican kind of a rhino? In other words, a Republican in name only. I'll give you an example. My current senator, I mean, it's a shame to admit it, but Mitt Romney. Okay, this guy literally said he um, is a pro-gun guy. He uh, is part of the uh, 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 NRA, and he's, good, he's a gun guy. But then when questioned by liberal press about guns, he said, well, we need to remove guns of lethality for sure. Well, every gun is a gun of lethality, or lethality, ladies and gentlemen, depending on who uses it and how. This guy's a flat-out dishonest liar when he tells you that he's for your right to keep and bear arms. The only gun lobby that's really, in my opinion, 100% true blue is gun owners telling you the truth on these things. But now gun owners are saying, look, they're looking for a national registry. Republicans like Mitt Romney are just as likely to back that kind of violation of our God-given inalienable right to self-defense codified by the Second Amendment. They're just as likely in the Republican Party, these swamp monsters, um, to sell us down the river as anybody else. So you need to be very careful at the primaries is what I'm telling you about what kind of Republican you're putting in office. Are you putting a Mike Lee, who may be far from perfect, but compared to a Mitt Romney, the guy's like, I don't know if I dare compare it to Jesus and Satan. It's not that bad, but I'm telling you, it's, it's just off the charts, the difference between the two. And this is what I mean. We need to, in the primaries, really pay attention to whom will serve us. Who will we give our consent to carry out the proper role of limited constitutional government? Because if we're not very careful here, hey, the same people that created Homeland Security, that's the Republicans. They're the ones that put a bunch of guys on the courts that shut us down when we tried to get rid of health care. They're the ones that keep the pro-death agenda and abortions going on. 
Ever since 1973, Roe versus Wade, Republicans have been controlling the courts for a long time. This idea that Republicans are going to save us is absolute poppycock. Now, can there be good, honest, moral Americans that can stand with their oaths of office and truly protect the country? Absolutely. It's our job, my fellow Americans, to find them, to vet them, and to run them, and to back them in the primaries so they're successful. And the swamp monster internal Republicans that are betrayers need to be turned out peacefully, but turned out nevertheless. Not, no consent, if you will. Larry? Sam, I was just thinking that um, what you said was spot on, and it was quite measured, and it was hardly a call for uh, terrorism. But yet that is the way these entrenched bureaucrats in both parties, uh, Republican and Democrat, are likely to interpret any call for defeating them and sending them back to Main Street where they probably uh, – yeah, they can make a living, but it's not going to be nearly as opulent as – Without the, the revolving door, it's going to be pretty hard for them, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's exactly right. They're afraid of that. And so they're going to resist uh, with everything they can muster, and the, the uh, yeah they're going to call their opponents terrorists. Well, it does terrorize them. You're talking about beating me in the next election, and I'm going to have to go back to Main Street and get an honest job. Come on, that's that is worse than death. Now, what a terrorist are you? And they're going to call me a terrorist because, let me see how I put it. Anti-authority ideologies. See, that's what they'll claim this is. But here's the reality. I'm the guy that started out the program saying yesterday, me and Richard Mack spent the whole second hour debunking a lot of these off-the-charts extreme views that get people in trouble and that undermine the very proper role of limited government. It's by the consent of the government. It's by our peaceful checks and balances do we achieve success. But we got to have greater numbers than they. But see, if I call out greater numbers, then they see, Sam, now you're calling for a terroristic army. There's no way to win with these dishonest people unless we create accountability and fast, Larry. Uh, and that's, uh, in, in many cases, that's going to be done in the Republican primary. And it's going to take more work on the part of each one of us because, uh, first of all, the media uh, usually, not always, but usually cannot be relied upon uh, to supply useful information that's going to be the democrat the very liberal democrat party line that's coming through the media we're going to have to do our digging now we've got an internet that's uh, available for us and big tech hasn't quite yet been able to uh, make it do all all and only their bidding uh, and so we can dig out information and we can still go to a candidate meeting uh, where the candidate uh, opens himself to questions, and we can ask uh, good and pointed questions, and then we need to be uh, able to sift what we're hearing because, uh, you know, a guy like Mitt Romney, and that's a good enough example, if you don't have a dialogue with him, if you just let him say, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm pro-gun, I'm pro-suffering, I'm not well, well, I'm the member of the NRA. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I, well, I I got me my shotgun there at home, and, and uh, I go hunting uh, every so often, you know. Uh, well, okay, great. Um, but that's not what the Second Amendment's all about. And if we start talking 
to the Mitt Romneys of the world, and it's not just Mitt Romney, it's a whole bunch of other folks uh, the same, uh, that the Second Amendment is there to protect the ability of the people to maintain the means to, if the government really gets nasty and becomes tyrannical the way George III did, and that was in their mind. Wait a minute, like they're doing right now by creating a domestic terrorism department to go after parents that are concerned about schools? Um, you might say that. Um, and that's that's what that ultimately the Second Amendment is for. If they start arresting parents for going to a school board meeting and speaking out against, they've already started. Yeah, they, they have, and it, it can get to the point uh, because the the founders were not eager to get into a war, and they pointed out in the Declaration of Independence that after a long train of abuses. In other words, they suffered a great deal of tyranny because they didn't want a war. They knew how horrible it would be, uh, the devastation and the destruction and the killing that would occur, uh, especially a civil war. Uh, it can be as nasty as anything. Uh, so that's what they were trying to avoid. Uh, but it, it, at least they were able to show that uh, you're the aggressor, oh, King George, uh, or, oh, Department of Education. You're the guys uh, that uh, call your opponents uh, terrorists and, and lawbreakers. Really? We're lawbreakers because we went to a school board meeting and we expressed our concerns about some of the horrible perversions that you're teaching our little kids? Really? That's... Uh, uh, maybe we need to have a, a deeper discussion with y'all. Maybe it's time that we just uh, cut your budget out. And sometimes that is the best way to go, Sam, is to just take their money away. None of these characters are working for charity. This is not the Peace Corps. This is a bunch of highly, well, you know, Fauci's getting $420,000 a year. He's not a volunteer. <laughs> I heard that. He ought to be fired. Larry Pratt, thank you so much, sir. We'll have you back soon. Thanks, Sam. Appreciate you. Ladies and gentlemen, this terrorism discussion is very serious. When they call the rank-and-file American a terrorist, your government's out of control. God save the Republic of the United States of America. the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk, radio Show. Talk Show. Wow, ladies and gentlemen, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. This is the broadcast for January the 12th in the year of our Lord, 2022. There's so much hard-hitting news, it's shocking. It's to the point where I don't even know how to cover it all. And it just seems to be more and more and more. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is. Headline, the majority of people hospitalized with COVID-19 in New Jersey were actually admitted for reasons other than COVID-19. Officials said on January the 10th, 
I kid you not, this is real. Of the 6,075, quote, people with COVID-19 and hospitalized in the state, just 2,963 were admitted for COVID-19. New Jersey uh, Health Health Commissioner Judith Persichilli said during a briefing. So let me get this straight. You got 6,075 people. And you don't even have 50% of them. 2,963 have what's called incidental COVID. That's the new term being used for this. It's called incidental COVID. You go into the hospital because you have a broken leg. You go into the hospital uh, for whatever reason. I got a bladder infection. I whatever. And, you know, I'm, I'm dizzy. Who knows? But they literally for two years told us, hey, there's so many COVID hospitalizations. It's just melting hospitals down. Now we find out in the state of New York and the state of New Jersey that it's less than 50% literally there because of COVID. So they've been lying to you with 50% on average wrong numbers for two years. And now they're finally admitting it. And when you add that reality to the 800,000 deaths from COVID, you go, what? Yeah, 75% of them have more than four comorbidities. And then when you add this 50% reality to it, well, 600,000 died because they had four or more comorbidities. They were seriously ill anyway. Whether COVID brought them over the brink or not, don't know. Whether they just died, uh, one of the comorbidities it caused in conjunction with adding fuel to the fire, if you will, or complications and they, they pass away. Their lives matter. Don't misunderstand me. But it's not like we were told not even close. Now you have 200,000 left that have died. So the next question is what percentage then, if 50% of the hospitals that are claimed to be there for COVID really aren't, they're there for something else and just happen to have COVID, what percent of deaths were there in relation to this as well? How many people died and didn't really die because of COVID, but because they had COVID, that was put on the death certificate? Huh? Well, there's a lot of people quizzing down. Michelle Walensky and Anthony Fauci and some of these goons, but they won't answer. They're all vague, and they avoid the question. They say, well, it's difficult to answer that. It's a scientific, uh, well, science is moving so quickly, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is serious. So what percent of the people now really are going into the hospital for COVID? Whatever number they've given us, it's half that. On the average. Now, it might be different in certain states. We haven't done a whole across-the-board studies, but we've done enough in New York and New Jersey to really know now. It's about 50%. So when they tell you the hospitals are just melting down because COVID patients and it's all the unvaxxed, they're lying to you, ladies and gentlemen. Because what percent now, then, we got to ask this. What percent of the 50% went into the hospital for other reasons, and which went in for really COVID issues, what percent really were vaxxed versus not vaxxed? And what does vaxxed versus not vaxxed mean? If I took one shot, am I vaxxed? No. What if I took two shots? 
Well, I'm fully vaxxed, but not boosted. What? Okay, where do we go? How? What does this mean? And the answer is they don't know. They've been throwing dishonest numbers at you for literally two whole years. And they're the ones that are supposed to have credibility now? Can you really discuss this with a straight face? All right. How many cases of coronavirus are there in each U.S. state? Because now you got to ask yourself the question. When they re- run these huge numbers, right, you believe these people are really sick. But it's not even true. Right? Corona, coronavirus by the numbers. Right? Where do we go with this? All right. They say total U.S. cases, 60,090,400. So just over 60 million positive tests. How many of those positive tests are people that are really sick or not? Because if you test positive, but you're not sick, they call you asymptomatic. But the truth is the test may be wrong. So we're going to question that number big time. Right? What does that mean? Now they say U.S. deaths. Total 837,661. Well, we know three quarters of them have four or more comorbidities already. Doesn't mean that... Doesn't mean that their lives don't matter. Now, here's what they say. This is interesting. Listen. Some states have scaled back how often they report new data. So we don't even know how, the, how accurate this is because they say the daily averages are seven-day averages. But not if a bunch of states aren't reporting very often. Okay? They say over 800,000 have died of COVID-19. We don't know that. How do we know that? Now, I'm going to take Utah just because I'm so familiar with my state. In Utah, 682,036 have tested positive for the cocoa. What's that, about one-fifth of the state? One-sixth? 15, 20% range? 3,800 have died. But if you're going to say 50% of them are in the hospital under wrong pretenses, we claim they were there because of COVID, and, well, it turned out they're not there because of COVID. What does that look like? How many deaths then? If you're going to do the half again, you're at maybe 2,000 deaths at best over two years. That's no different than the, than the pneumonia, ladies and gentlemen, the common flu. No different at all. But they spent so much time telling us it was way different, didn't they? Oh, it was so different. It was a massive pandemic. But then you got to start to ask yourself this. How many died from the vaccines? Well, according to the SARS database, it's 20,000 plus. But if you do some of the studies from the academia world, it's 20 times that, 400,000. Well, now you literally may have as many dying from the vaccines as you have dying from the COVID, ladies and gentlemen. And you can say, Sam, you're wildly extrapolating numbers here. You've made some wild guesses on this, baby. 
you know, you're not scientific at all. And these people who have been telling you for two years about the hospitalizations, overwhelming hospitals, literally, you know, hey, it's a meltdown. It's a, we've never seen a crisis like this in the country. And then we find out they're 50% off on their numbers. And you're going to say my numbers are a wild egg guess, but their numbers are scientific. You've lost that credibility battle too now, haven't you? Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, here's the bottom line. Here's the bottom line. The vast majority of Americans, regardless of political party now, say that American society and culture are in decline. That's according to a new poll from the Trafalgar Group and Convention of States Action. Now, I'm against the Convention of the States, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. Let me be very clear. I am against a Convention of the States. I don't believe that's the answer at all. Because I don't believe that you have any control of how off the rails it goes. The delegates will basically insert themselves and do whatever they want, and you and I won't be able to control the delegates. You think the delegates are going to be people like Ron Paul, Sam Bushman, uh, you know, Kate Daly, um, you know, some of these trusted people? Or are they going to be uh, the dick armies of the world? Yeah, you think it's going to be a Rand Paul or the other whacked-out senator from Kentucky, huh? You think it's going to be a Mike Lee, or do you think it's going to be a Mitt Romney at the helm of a con-con, huh? The poll found, believe it or not, that 76.8% of respondents believe U.S. society is in a state of decay. I believe that, do you? With just 9.8% saying society and culture are in a state of, quote, progress. And 13.4% say they're unsure. Believe it or not, the skepticism was for all political leanings, with 61% of Democrats and 85% of Republicans saying U.S. society and culture is in decline. Let's come back and talk more about it, ladies and gentlemen. This is Serious Business on your radio. If the COVID-19 shot is safe and effective, then why are 20% of healthcare workers refusing to get it? If the COVID-19 injection is safe and effective, then why is big tech silencing anyone who opposes it? If the COVID injection is safe and effective, then why is our federal government's reporting system recording over 14,000 deaths from the vaccine and an additional 650,000 plus serious adverse reactions. If the COVID shot is safe and effective, then why did Dr. Gert Vandenbosch, recognized as one of the world's chief vaccine experts, risk his entire career and his reputation to plead with the medical community to immediately halt all COVID-19 vaccinations, calling mass COVID vaccinations an uncontrollable monster? Doesn't sound very safe and effective. Maybe it's time to call a spade a spade. At no time in history have the people forcing others into compliance been the good guys. Paid for by Ammon Bundy for Governor. VoteBundy.com. 
Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit legal foundation committed to protecting our unalienable right to publicly acknowledge God. The Foundation for Moral Law exists to restore the knowledge of God in law and government and to acknowledge and defend the truth that man is endowed with rights not by our fellow man, but by God. The Foundation maintains a twofold focus. First, litigation within state and federal courts. Second, education conducting seminars to teach the necessity and importance of acknowledging God in law and government. How can you help? Please make a tax-deductible contribution, allowing Foundation attorneys to continue the fight. You may also purchase various Foundation products as well at morallaw.org. Located in Montgomery, Alabama, the Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit, tax-exempt 501c3, founded by Judge Roy Moore. Please partner with us to achieve this important mission, morallaw.org. Back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Sam Bushman on your radio. Hard-hitting talk at your fingertips. <laughs> wow. I don't even know how to respond to this news. It's just, wow. The vast majority of Americans, regardless of political parties, now say that American society and culture are in decline. That's according to a poll from the Trafalgar Group. Or Trafalgar Group. And then they say, and the Convention of the States action. Now, I'm against the Convention of the States, clearly so, ladies and gentlemen. They say the poll found that 76.8% of Americans, or respondents, believe that U.S. society and culture are in a state of decay. I agree with them. It is in a state of decay. But I would disagree with what the, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, purveyors of this study would, would conclude. What they would do is they would say, well, we need a convention of the states to solve the problem. You could tell people aren't happy with the decline in society, and we've got to rearrange our, our affairs. We've got to rearrange the affairs of the nation to deal with this. I couldn't disagree with that more, ladies and gentlemen. I don't believe at all that what we need to do is have a convention of the states. And that's a sad part about when we quote a truism like this, sponsored by a group with an agenda, right? Um, the Convention of the States doing this poll, if I agree with the poll, then do I agree with their remedy? And the answer is clearly no. All right. The Convention of States action, I don't agree with them at all, even though I do agree with the state of decline in the nation. I think they're going about it all the wrong way, personally. Right? I think they're going about it absolutely in the wrong way. The wrong way big time, right? But, uh, you know, how do you deal with that? I think most people are starting to become for a convention of the states, feeling like there's no other options. And I get that fear-based position. But I don't think it's the answer either. All right. The answer, ladies and gentlemen, is to return to what made America great. And what people will say to me is, Sam, we've already tried that to no avail. Doesn't work. Sadly, it's hard to disagree with their points. 
But I submit to you that there is a way forward, and uh, it's what you don't want to hear, though. you got to have a moral and a religious people. you got to turn to God Almighty. you got to turn to the author of your liberty and keep his commandments if you want him to protect and bless you. There is no other way. Because I ask all of you, who is the author of your liberty? Is it government? I say it's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I say it's Jehovah of the Old Testament, Jesus Christ of the New. Same person. Son of Almighty God. Granter of life through the resurrection, eternal life. Granter of liberty via the commandments of God that he set forth. If ye love me, keep my commandments, says the Savior Jesus Christ. If we love liberty, then we love him. If we love him, we, by nature, love liberty. The two are inseparable. Jesus Christ is the author of freedom. He was raised from the dead. He created the, uh, I'm trying to think of the word, limitless atonement. For the purpose of liberating the captive, freeing those who would be slave to sin, right? Okay, you cannot separate the two. A convention of the states is not the answer. A wicked people through a convention of the states will just promote more wickedness. A righteous people can turn to God and use the checks and balances in the greatest system ever devised among men for the governing of a free people. Okay, those checks and balances are the key. Returning to what made America great is the answer. But we've got to start with rejecting a lie and telling the truth. Right? Wow. All right, now, Anthony Fauci is a whack job. I'm telling you right now, the guy's a nut. Anthony Fauci called Kansas Senator Roger Marshall a moron during Tuesday's, that's yesterday's, hearing on the coronavirus. Marshall, by the way, who is also a doctor, questioned Fauci as to whether Fauci should have a, quote, publicly available financial disclosure form like other witnesses do. And there was a battle that ensued. So Fauci mixed it up with Rand Paul yesterday or whatever else. Now mixing it up with another Senate doctor. All right, you got that clip, Cameron? Uh, this is the deal. Here's the exchange. My, my financial disclosures are public knowledge and have been so. You are getting amazingly wrong information. So uh, uh, I, I cannot find them. Our office cannot find them. Where would they be if they're public knowledge? Since Where? It is totally accessible to you if you want it. For the public. Is it accessible to the, to the public? public? To the public. Great. We look Senator forward to reviewing it. You are totally incorrect. Well, we look Marshall, forward to reviewing it. Senator Marshall, Dr. Fauci has answered you. It is public information, and he's happy to give it to you if you would ask. Senator Moran. What a moron. Jesus Christ. Chairwoman, thank you. Um, I, I know this has been... My, my fine... There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Literally, Anthony Fauci says, what a moron to this other doctor, to this other senator, doctor and senator, he calls him a moron, 
And then he starts saying, Jesus Christ, in a swearing kind of way, what a shame Fauci has become. Because, look, if you are not on a crazy bender, as Fauci seems to be, why would you take offense to that? The senator's going, hey, my office isn't able to find this. All you got to say if you're Fauci is, you know what, my information's been available for a long time. I'll get one of my staff members to make sure that you're pointed in the right direction, Senator. This was an easy discussion, but Fauci is now so under the gun, pardon the phrase. Can I use that phrase or am I a terrorist now? He is so under the gun, so uh, backpedaling on every point to where he now just absolutely strikes out crazily at senators. This senator is a doctor and a senator. I would say in charge of Fauci's check, right? But yet you've got a situation now where even this off runs off the rails. Anthony Fauci calls the Kansas senator, Roger Marshall, who's also a doctor, a moron. And then starts going, Jesus Christ, what kind of a deal is that from Fauci? He got caught on the open mic. But why is another member of Congress going, he's already told you the information. The Look, the senator's explaining that his office can't find the information. And you can say he's a moron, but you know what? What you're saying is the whole office of staff members and everybody else that do the research for the senator, he virtually called them all morons too. Right? I mean, he literally, okay. Now, I don't know where to find that information because then the senator wisely said, well, you know what? What about the public? Can they find it? Yes, it's available to the public too. So here's what I'm going to do on the break coming up here in a couple of minutes. I got three minutes. I'm going to have my... Producer do this too, Cameron. Uh, so it's going to be six minute, what do you call those, man minutes, man hour minutes? I don't know. Anyway, and we're, and we're going to see if we can find Fauci's financial disclosures, shall we? What if I type that into Google? See, Google should be very helpful, right? Google should put me right on it. Now, I don't know if things have changed. I don't know if Google's engine has been updated now that people are going to be searching for this. But I'm going to type in. Anthony Fauci, uh, financial disclosures, right? And uh, let's see what I get with this here. I just typed that into Google there. Personal finance blog and tips times. That's not it. By Anthony Fauci on Amazon. What Dr. Fauci's disclosures reveal this is Newsweek, though, so it's an article about it. It's not really the disclosures. What a moron Fauci argues with Politico, talking about what we just mentioned. What do his financial disclosures reveal? That's not it. Fauci on hot mic calls Senator a moron. Again, moron, moron stories. We keep hearing what his financial disclosures reveal, but every one of those are articles about. They're not really his disclosures. There's that truth versus uh, false about his net worth. Opinion, a fight between. That's all I see. Let's see what Cameron can come up with. You're listening to, to Liberty Roundtable Live. Pursuing Liberty, using the Constitution as our guide. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. 
USA Radio News with Lance Pride. Inflation steamrolled Americans in its fastest 12-month pace in nearly 40 years. The Consumer Price Index, an inflation gauge that measures costs across dozens of items, rose 7% in December from a year ago. President Biden, in a planned Atlanta, Georgia speech Tuesday, called on the United States Senate to remove the filibuster and allow a simple majority to pass voting legislation, taking away the state's rights to handle their own elections. Biden's bill would make sure all elections from now on are run by the folks in Washington, D.C. I believe that the threat to our democracy is so grave that we must find a way to pass these voting rights bills. Debate them. Vote. Let the majority prevail. And if that bare minimum is blocked, we have no option but to change the Senate rules, including getting rid of the filibuster for this. USA Radio News. Get to Kohl's to save on beauty, essentials, and home. Take 20% off all beauty and fragrance during our Love Your Look beauty event. Pick up Nike hoodies for the family starting at $19.99. Save 50% on Carter's for Baby. And Sonoma Goods for Life bath towels are only $8.99. Plus, take an extra 20% off when you spend $100 or more and get Kohl's cash. This weekend at Kohl's. Select styles offer valid September 20th through 23rd with promo code SAVINGS. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details. You need an accurate thermometer to check for fever, a potential sign of flu or COVID. Be vigilant and contact your medical provider at the first sign of fever. Exergen Temporal Scanner Thermometer has been proven accurate in more than 100 clinical studies. Exergen Temporal Scanners are available at Walmart and other fine retailers. Learn more at exergen.com. That's E-X-E-R-G-E-N.com. Exergen is changing the way the world takes temperature. Just in time for Mardi Gras, a mask mandate. The city of New Orleans is reinstating a mask mandate just weeks before the start of Mardi Gras as a way of stopping a surge in COVID-19 cases. Health Director Jennifer Avenjo saying hospitalizations have risen by a factor of seven. There are no beds. If you go to an emergency department right now, expect to wait 6, 10, 12 hours to be seen just to get back to the emergency department. A city spokesman saying on Tuesday that the action is needed to allow parades to roll through the famed French Quarter. From the USA Radio News Phoenix Bureau, I'm Tim Berg. A medevac helicopter carrying a child patient crash-landed outside Philadelphia Tuesday afternoon, but all four people on board are expected to survive in what officials called an absolute miracle. The crash took place roughly 1 p.m. near United Methodist Church in Delaware County on its way to the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia from Maryland. Everyone was able to get out of the completely destroyed helicopter. USA Radio News. I want to dedicate this song to Mr. Rupert Murdoch. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Sam Bushman on your radio. So the only mistake the good senator from Kansas made was not having the backup for his statements because he could have dressed Fauci down like nobody's business if he had the goods at his fingertips. He needs a little bit better research department. I concur with that, but Fauci's a liar. Yeah, and I got the information to double down and prove it to you. You ready? took me a little bit of time to search this out. The whole thing took me like five minutes, as you heard me start on it right before the break, and I researched it over the break, and here's what I've got. Judicial Watch and the fiscal watchdog group called openbooks.com, they're suing 
to get records about Dr. Anthony Fauci's employment and professional finances, including royalty payments. Did you know that? Yeah. Now you say, well, Sam, what's up? When did this happen? Uh, Back in November 2021. So the senator has the right questioning. But the senator didn't have the right information. What the senator should have said when Fauci said, oh, my records are everywhere, you moron. What the senator should have fired back and said, you know, I don't mean to be moronic. Dr. Fauci. Uh, But here's the deal. Judicial Watch is suing you over this. Why is there a pending lawsuit from Judicial Watch and open books if your information is so readily available, sir? Can you answer that question for me? Because I'm kind of a moron, and I don't know really what uh, the deal is with that. My moronic ignorance just doesn't allow me to process lawsuits over such issues by well-known organizations like Judicial Watch and Open Books. Uh, why they'd be suing if the information is so readily available, and if I'm so moronic? There's been a lawsuit pending for a couple of months over this very topic, my friend, and I don't understand um, how that all works. I'm just too moronic to figure it out, but I need a guy like you with incredible, superior intelligence to explain this to me. And while you're explaining to me, you can explain to the good folks at Judicial Watch. You can also explain it to the fiscal watchdog group called openbooks.com because they're suing to get records about your, quote, employment and your professional finances, including all your royalty payments. Why don't we talk a little bit more about royalty payments, Mr. Fauci? Do you receive royalty payments from any research, from any products, from any, and somebody needs to craft a list better than I can do on the fly, right? From any products, any licensed medications, uh, any, do you receive uh, ongoing royalties, and is your list of royalty payments included in your financial disclosures, sir? Yeah, let's talk about being a moron, Tony. Come on now. Let's do it, my friend. Guys like me lose patience with your ignorance and your disrespect, and you should be fired for treating senators like that in the first place. How dare you? And now let's talk about the Judicial Watch lawsuit a little bit more. I'm just such a moron. I can't let this go, uh, doctor. You know what? I'm going to quit calling you doctor. I'm just going to call you Tony. Hey, Tony, I'm such a moron. I'm so ignorant. Um, I kind of think what we need to do is call the folks at Judicial Watch uh, and open books. Maybe we ought to call them. Maybe we ought to see if we could bring them to the stand and uh, they can ask questions. Let them be the morons for a change. Those morons over there, Judicial Watch, morons like me, we're kind of like the Hillary Clinton deplorables. Now we're deplorable morons, Tony. And um, I really need you to help me ferret out this confusion because I'm so stupid. I just can't figure it out. But while we're at it, then... Here's my recommendation to you, Tony. Why don't you double down and release your involvement in everything related to Corona? Yeah. 
November 10th, 2021 is when the uh, article came out about this lawsuit. Yeah. Think about this. The lawsuit was filed by Judicial Watch and Open Books against the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Right? In the U.S., District Court for the District of Columbia on October 28th, in response to three Freedom of Information Act requests, FOIAs, if you will, that went unanswered by the National Institutes of Health, quote, the NIH, during the time period between January 28th, 2021, and September 2021. So now, Fauci, I'm so ignorant about these records, my friend, that Judicial Watch and Open Books have sued you and the National Institutes of Health over this because they made three FOIA requests to get the information that was not readily available, and you denied or failed to answer all of them. Below is the list of documents that the lawsuit is seeking. All employment contracts, modifications, and addendums since hiring, in other words, you're hiring as director of the National Institutes of Health. Daily calendar from 1-1-2019 to the present time. That would be January 28th. That was when they asked the request, right? After a phone call with the National Institutes of Health, we agreed to narrow our request and took his, quote, calendar request out. So not only has Judicial Washington Open Books been asking for this information, not only have they been denied, they've been doing their best to refine this thing. We also need any confidentiality documents, conflict documents, and economic interest disclosure documents. We also need, uh, quote, current job description. Any confidentiality agreements, conflict of interest documents, and economic interest disclosures, uh, and documents, if you will, pertaining to the calendar 2020 year to the present. These include, but are not limited to, And then they have all these weird forms. OGE form, 270 and accompanying paperwork. A complete list slash database of all personal royalties, including but not limited to the current and former National Institutes of Health employees for work done while they were federally employed. This list should include but not be limited to the royalties, the recipient's name, the amount of the royalty, the reason for the royalty, and the date the royalty was made in the name of the entity paying the royalty. Yeah, here's what Adam, I don't know how to say this guy's name, Adam Andrzejewski, he's, I guess, with open books, He says, hey, no one's above the law, including Fauci. It should not take us a subpoena lawsuit to get the general details of his basic employment for we the people. We need to get documents at the executive level 
that federal bureaucrats are required by law to file. So, ladies and gentlemen, if Anthony Fauci is candid and this information is all available and the senator is just a moron, I ask you, in the court of public opinion, my fellow Americans, why on earth would Judicial Watch and Open Books be suing with a list? Why would the National Institutes of Health and Human Services, NIH, be on the phone trying to narrow the request? All they'd have to do is say, um, Judicial Watch, Open Books, you're misinformed. The information is right here. But, ladies and gentlemen, it's not. Right? It's not available. The senator's right. Yeah. Anyway, it goes on with the whole details of this thing, folks. I'm on the Judicial Watch website right now. I'm looking at the press release that says Judicial Watch sues on behalf of OpenTheBooks.com for Fauci financial disclosures and records and royalties paid to NIH employees. Washington, D.C., Judicial Watch. Okay, I'm sitting right here. So if the senator is so ignorant, such a moron, and then swears, taking the Lord's name in vain, Fauci is a criminal, ladies and gentlemen. More evidence. More proof. I wish the senator had this information so he could have took Fauci to the woodshed on this sucker, don't you? The spirit of the American West is live and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues affecting the American West. Each issue contains informative articles, breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today, and gift ideas like the 2021 Real Buckaroo Calendar. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Loving Liberty Network salutes the spirit of the American West at rangemagazine.com. Decades after Jimmy Carter, Joe Biden picked up where he left off. With America surrendering to terrorists, Biden's foolish spending is causing inflation, which means more pain at the pump, higher prices on groceries, devaluing your retirement savings when you need it most. Once was a mistake, twice is a disaster. America needs strong leaders, not weak ones. Save America JFC is responsible for the content of this advertising. Isn't this great? Just the two of us. No work, no interruptions, no phone, no TV. Finally, we have a chance to just talk. I mean, how long has it been? Well, first of all, we should talk about your schedule. There are a few things that could use some adjusting, but overall, I think it's going all right. Basically, I think we're doing a pretty good job of communicating, which is good. You're doing a really good job of letting me know how you feel about things. I just... I want to keep the, the lines open, if you know what I mean. Jerry, it's 4 o'clock in the morning. What are you doing? Oh, I was <laughs> I was just giving Emily a bottle. Who are you talking to? Emily. She's only three weeks old, and she's asleep. I know. I was just practicing. Family, isn't it about time? Isn't this great? Just the three of us. No work, no interruptions, no phone. From the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. 
Judicialwatch.org slash JW dash Sue's dash NIH dash royalties slash. That is the website, ladies and gentlemen, where the lawsuit details and press release from Judicial Watch resides. So I just wish this senator had the mojo and the information at his fingertips to really get after this with Tony. Whacked out, crazy, dishonest, disingenuous Tony. However, I think that Tony should be thrown in prison for this. He literally lied to Congress once again. Now you'd say, well, no, Sam, he didn't. And I guess you're right, because it all depends on what disclosures we're talking about. Are there disclosures out there that are very minimal in scope that Tony might have made available somewhere? Possibly. I can't find them. The Senate office for the good senator from Kansas cannot find them. Uh, But he's a moron because he, you know, whatever. But I can't find them either. Cameron couldn't find them either after five, ten minutes of looking. So none of us can find it. And Judicial Watch and Open Books have sued Fauci over this very topic that the senator uh, is called a moron over. Shame on Fauci. But this is the deal where Fauci is so disingenuous. Even if Fauci um, can claim that, oh, there's information about my finances there. I guarantee you when you go look at the list on the Judicial Watch website of the press release of the line items they're looking for, which means all the royalty payments, that I guarantee you even if there are some documents available publicly about Fauci's uh, situation, I am convinced that the details of those questions and those line items being sought in the lawsuit are not included. I can guarantee you that. So shame on Fauci. This is just another example to where he's literally offending senators and the public. He's literally dishonest in all of his dealings. And we need to turn this guy out of office. We need to publicly charge Anthony Fauci. Rand Paul's the only one with the guts to submit Anthony Fauci to be criminally charged for his dishonesty here. Shame on Fauci. And Fauci's just literally swearing, taking the Lord's name in vain on the stand. Fauci's literally calling people names. What have we turned what has this turned into, ladies and gentlemen? They're saying that these senators are mischaracterizing things. I wish that the that the member of Judicial Watch was in the room with the senator. The senator could have said, Hold on, let's have Judicial Watch respond to the lawsuit on this very topic, Tony. Okay? Anyway, I digress. I just get livid. Look, it took me all of five minutes to do the research on that story, to dig in and say, "Mm, is the senator really a moron? Is this stuff readily available? No, it's not readily available. That isn't true. The Senate's office couldn't find that. I couldn't find it. But then I did find the lawsuit proving that this is harder to get and the information is not there in its entirety to the expectations of those who are even using open FOIA requests. That's a Freedom of Information Act request suggesting that we have a right to that information. And then that right to that information was being ignored by Tony. Shame on Fauci. What a dishonest thug. I'm telling you right now, if we let this guy stay in office another minute, shame on us, we the people. We should have 100 million Americans literally calling Congress and the Senate and the House and every representative everyone saying, this guy's got to go. Everywhere, any senator, any congressman, any 
president or any member of their staffs go anywhere, we should say, hey, have you gotten rid of Fauci yet? This guy's a whack job. This guy's a nutcase. This guy's a crazy. That's not to mention the argument that (laughs) went on yesterday between Rand Paul and Anthony Fauci either. All right, I want to switch gears before the end of the hour. I got a cool story. This is from Dennis Prager. He does such a good job. He's got a lot of his videos everywhere and everything else, Dennis Prager. Uh, The headline says, every American needs to hear this speech. Amen to that. Here is the speech from Dennis Prager. If every high school principal gave the following speech, America would be a much better place. To the students and faculty of our high school, I am your new principal and honored to be so. There is no greater calling than to teach young people. I would like to apprise you of some important changes coming to our school. First, this school will no longer honor race or ethnicity. I could not care less if you are black, brown, red, yellow, or white. I could not care less if your origins are African, European, Latin American, or Asian, or if your ancestors arrived here on the Mayflower or on slave ships. The only identity this school will recognize is your individual identity, your character, your scholarship, your humanity. And the only national identity this school will recognize is American. This is an American public school, and American public schools were created to make better Americans. If you wish to affirm here an ethnic or racial identity or a national identity other than American, you will have to attend another school. This includes after-school clubs. I will not authorize clubs that divide students based on identities such as race, ethnicity, sexual orientation, or whatever else may become in vogue in our society. Those clubs cultivate narcissism, an unhealthy preoccupation with the self, while the purpose of education is to get you to think beyond yourself. The school's clubs will be based on interests and passions, clubs that transport you to the wonders and glories of art, music, astronomy, languages you do not already speak, and more. If the only extracurricular activities you can imagine being interested in are those based on ethnicity, race, or sexual identity, that means that little outside of yourself really interests you. Second, I do not care whether English is your native language. My only interest in terms of language is that you leave this school speaking and writing English as fluently as possible. The English language has united America's citizens for over 200 years, and it will unite us at this school. Furthermore, I would be remiss in my duty to ensure that you will be prepared to successfully compete in the job market if you leave this school without excellent English language skills. We will learn other languages here. It's deplorable that most Americans only speak English. But if you want classes taught in your native language rather than in English, this is not the right school for you. Third, because I regard learning as a sacred endeavor, everything in this school will reflect learning's elevated status. This means, among other things, that you and your teachers will dress accordingly. 
there will be a dress code at this school. And you will address all teachers by their title, not by their first name. They are your teachers, not your pals. Fourth, no obscene language will be tolerated anywhere on this school's property. By obscene language, I mean the words banned on radio and television, plus epithets such as the B word, even when addressed by one girl to another, or the N word, even when used by one black student to another. It is my intent that by the time you leave this school, you will be among the few your age to distinguish between the elevated and the degraded, the holy and the obscene. Fifth, we will end all self-esteem programs. In this school, self-esteem will be attained in only one way, the only way self-esteem can be attained, by earning it. One immediate consequence is that graduating classes will have one valedictorian, not eight. Sixth and last, I am reorienting the school toward academics and away from politics and propaganda. No more time will be devoted to racism, sexism, Islamophobia, homophobia, global warming, tobacco, or gender identity. No more classes will be devoted to condom wearing and teaching you to regard sexual relations as no more than a health issue. And there will be no more attempts to convince you that you are a victim because you are not white or male or heterosexual or Christian. This school will have failed if any of you graduate without considering him or herself inordinately lucky. Lucky to be alive and lucky to be an American. Now please stand and join me in the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag of our country. As many of you do not know the words, your teachers will hand them out to you. I'm Dennis Prager. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. A great speech, uh, in my opinion, from Dennis Prager. Um, the reason there was a little bit of sound effects in the background, you heard some kind of weird little sound effects, that's because it's a video. And I took the audio from the video. But if you want to see the whole video, uh, all you got to do is go to uh, PragerU uh, and check that out. In my opinion, a very cool, very spot-on video highlighting, uh, in my opinion, something very, very important. We have got to get a handle on our schools, right? Uh, we've really got to get a handle on that uh, because the schools are off the rails. You know, last hour I was with Larry Pratt discussing this. They're literally calling those who want to reign in the schools terrorists. Now, don't get me wrong. Uh, I'm not in any way, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not in any way advocating for any violence. I'm not advocating for any type of activities that would be uh, wrong in America. But I am advocating for fighting back against federal overreach. I'm absolutely highly interested in solutions, ladies and gentlemen. But the problem is the government would call me a terrorist. Right? That's the problem that we're facing now. Is that, you know what? How do I advocate for the restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth? How do I encourage 
accountability, right? How do I do all these things but yet not end up on the, quote, terrorist watch list? Answer, I don't think it's possible. I, I sadly believe that I don't, I don't know that it's possible now, right? I don't think it's possible for me to do that. That means it's not possible for any of you either. That's a scary, scary, scary thought. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, last year, America's doctors, nurses, and paramedics were all celebrated as frontline heroes battling a fearsome new pandemic. But today, under whacked out Joe Biden, tens of thousands of these same heroes are denounced as rebels, conspiracy theorists, extremists, and potential terrorists. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to pray for our country, and we need to work hard to save America. Right? We got a lot of work ahead of us. Pray for our country. Do your very best to advocate for liberty. Do your very best to be peaceful and kind, but at the same time insistent that it's our country, and they serve by our consent. We have a role to play with the checks and balances in America. Never forget it. Turn to God and go to work. We declare this nation shall endure. God save the republic.